this is the Sean Yankee Show. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. We decided long ago that the dangers of excessive and unwarranted concealment of pertinent facts far outweighed the dangers which are cited to justify it. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. Today, we've had a national tragedy. Two airplanes have crashed into the World Trade Center in an apparent terrorist attack. This episode of The Sean Yankee Show is being brought to you by the support of viewers like me. We realize the importance of independent media and truth in this time of mass deceit and propaganda. We have decided to fight for and support it to keep it alive. You can help us in this fight for truth. Contribute at patreon.com forward slash Sean Yankee. Thanks for coming to the show. It'll begin soon. Hey everybody, in here, welcome back to the Sean Yankee Show. I am Sean, and no matter when you're here or where you're at, you are in the right place at the right time, so settle in and get comfortable because you picked a really good night to come to our show. It's the best night, really, tonight on the Sean Yankee Show. Is conspiracy theories and chill. We're going to hang out and we're going to talk about conspiracy theories. I have a really cool one for you tonight. The five eras theory. It has to do with hidden history and Tartaria and all that. It's going to be really cool. So get in here. Settle in. And get ready because that's what we're going to do tonight in just a little bit. But take part in the show. This is a discussion driven chat show. We hang out together. We have a discussion. That's what we do here. So take part. I'd love to hear from you. And it helps. So do that and smash them shits. Hit that like button right now before you forget. And share this out. Get this out everywhere you can. Invite your friends. Anything you got to do to help get this out. It's important to help and support this show in particular. Because this particular little show is one of the last bastions of truth left in this world. This is a world overrun with deception. What makes this show important is we put the truth first here. We have a simple philosophy. We believe that if it can be destroyed by the truth, then it should be. Now... That makes us unpopular because 
whether they say they do or not, and whether they say they want it or not, people don't really like the truth. They don't. Our enemy fears it. It's the most effective weapon against our enemy, but the sheep flee from it. They've been trained to, but we don't care. We can't. We're not here to be popular. We're here to speak the truth. Because I honestly believe that that is not only the best way, but the only way to move us forward. We live in a world where authenticity is met with rejection, where speaking the truth is met with disdain and exclusion. We're bombarded with messages telling us to conform and to be like everyone else and not to think, but we must resist that temptation. We must be strong. We must be leaders. We must take that role. That's what this show's about. So stand up for what you believe in, basically. Speak the truth. Be authentic. Walk this earth like God sent you. Because the world needs you to be you. You need to lead. You need to make an example in your life. That's what needs to happen. It's no big change. No sweeping change. It's all little actions. That will snowball and increase. We can change this world right now. All by ourselves. We don't need to wait for permission or a leader. And that's what we're all about here. That's the philosophy that this show centers around. But tonight's a fun night, you know. We're going to get into all kinds of stuff, but we're going to have fun. I do want to remind you to come back Friday night. Friday night is going to be really interesting. We're going to have Tony Smith versus Odios Faniant. And I hope I'm saying his name correctly, but they are going to debate. They're going to have an all-out debate on Friday night. So that's going to be really cool. Come back for that Friday night at 8 p.m. Tonight, though, we're going to get into the five eras theory in just a little bit. And we're going to cover Tartaria, the old world, hidden history, uh, the truth about some of the stuff that's being hidden from us. You know, I'm fascinated with this stuff lately. I, I've been really digging into it deeply. And we're going to go into a video that I think really gets into the theory and explains it in detail and uh, we'll break it on down and talk about it and get into it I hope and have a discussion that's the aim anyway that's what I'm hoping to see happen but let's see let me say hi to everyone here at the live because you're you're very important and know this please know this if you're here at the live you're very important no matter where you're at even if you're here on rumble or x rumble you're the most important by the way that's our free speech platform, our zero censorship platform. That's where everybody should be supporting Rumble. You can say whatever you want there and you don't have to worry about being punished for it. So you can talk openly, which is what I think shut down our conversation on Facebook. I understand it because due to censorship, 
you can't really speak on Facebook. You can't say anything. And you have to be very careful about what you do say if you use it. So I understand why the conversation died there. Rumble, no fear of censorship. They're one of the only places standing up for that right now, by the way. So it's important to support them. Anyways, if you're here on Rumble, take part in the conversation. Because I really hope you do. It would really help us, the live viewers in particular right now I'm speaking to. But if you're here later on, I still want to hear from you. Most of our views come after the live, so take part. Take part in the conversation. Let me know what you think about what we talk about, what we get into. And I really appreciate that. Not only that, I think it's important because it helps us to grow as people and, and as a society. I hope so, Tracy. Tracy says if this debate debate happens, it will be good. I think it's going to happen. I've gotten in touch with uh, Odios, and he's coming. Tony, on the other hand, has not gotten back to me. I don't understand why not, but someone tag Tony. Someone bring Tony in here. Maybe Tony can give us some clarification and let us know if this is happening because that's the only person I haven't heard from. But let's say hi to Gabe. Gabe is our Facebook ambassador. Hello, Gabe. And I hope you're ready to get your mind blown, sir, because tonight's Conspiracy Theories and Chill is going to be like that. We're going to get into something deep tonight, something very interesting to me, having to do with missing time, missing history, and things that are out of place in today's world. So it's going to have to do with a lot of cool things. I watched a lot of news tonight before the show. And I'm really glad that we're not doing news, by the way. But I don't know where to begin with it. Because I hadn't watched any news at all, all week. As some of you know, we did not do a show Monday. I'll get into more later why, if anyone's interested. But... I haven't spoken to you guys since last Friday, so I had to watch a lot of news to catch up with what's going on in the past well, pretty much week. I don't know where to start with it, honestly. I mean, we're going to talk about it briefly, but I really don't know where to begin. You know, I have a little bit of notes written down from what I saw. In the news, uh, there's a new sickness, two really. So, you got the swine flu out of the UK, which apparently there's only been 50 cases of since 2005, but now is the new freak out about shit going on in the UK right now. And then in China, they have a scare going on again. Um, they're even rolling out the guys in white suits that are collecting people up and shit. For a pneumonia-like sickness. But you have that going on. And then some of the approved mainstream media medical experts. I forget his name right now. But he looks like he eats about 15 cheeseburgers a day. That guy says there's going to be a disease X coming any day now. That's going to be 20 times worse than COVID. It's going to wipe everybody out. We got to be really scared. We're going to have to put out a bunch of untested vaccines to deal with that. 
By the way, they have released new findings that have shown that up to 75% of everyone that suffered myocarditis from the vaccine will be dead in the next five years. I think once we're done finding out what has actually happened with this huge crime against humanity with this COVID vaccine agenda, it will be mind-blowing. It will be something of history, something of just genocidal history that we'll look back on and wonder how we ever let it take place. Tracy says, resets, Sean. This ain't the first one. Won't be the last. Maybe she's right. I saw that you sent me some of this stuff, Joan, but you sent me right before the show. Like, as I was loading the intro, this hit my messenger. So I haven't had a chance to look at it yet. I'll try looking at it, but it'll probably be something we have to get into later. Won't be Friday because Friday, Tony Smith and Odios Faniat will be on here debating and Tony really needs to get in touch with me because I'm not completely sure what they're debating about. And he really needs to get in touch with me. I was good enough to put this together. And then once I did, he went dark. He needs to tell me what's going on. I'm trying to set this up. I can't make art and stuff and promote it without you letting me know some information. Anyways, there's rules. It's going to be really cool. And Odios has been in touch with me. So, yeah. Friday night, 8 p.m. Check out that debate. I really hope that it all comes together. All I need is Tony to get in touch with me, and then we'll know for sure. Robert says that it has to do with God, and I think he's right. I think for sure that he's right, actually. I could probably go and, and research on Tony's page and find out why he summoned me to host this. He asked me to host it. And I know very little about it. But it does have something to do with something of biblical nature. He posts a lot, though. So I don't know if I'm going to get to it right away. But Okay, wait. This is from his page six days ago. He says, we can call the debate theme false prophets according to the scriptures. If you're not trying to do that, I'm pretty much done communicating with you. So the last thing he called him out on was false prophets according to the scriptures. But I do think he needs to let everyone know what we are actually debating so Odios has a chance to properly prepare. It's Wednesday, by the way. You know, so let us know what we're debating. But there's structured rules. I will be a, a neutral host and it will be very fair. So whatever's trying to get hashed out should get hashed out on Friday. As soon as I know what it is, I'll promote it and I'll let you know. But come back Friday and that should be what we're doing. I hope it is. You know, I've been doing a lot of setup. So it'll be nice if that's what actually takes place. But again, I need Tony to come and let us know what's actually going on. But... Oh, wait, there was more stuff. I wanted to get into more stuff. 
in just a minute, we're going to get into the five errors theory. If you're here for the five errors theory, if you're watching later on, uh, just a minute. We're just doing a little bit of, you know, a little touch and base before we get into the five errors theory. We got a lot to get into. And we are going to get to that in just a second. I just wanted to touch on how Putin has given the green light for our next president. That's one of the most fucked up news stories I saw today. That and Elon Musk going to Israel to kiss ass, that pissed me off. But it didn't really surprise me because Elon Musk is a tool of the global establishment. He's a cog in the wheel of the transhumanism and space agenda. So he's going to play ball. doesn't surprise me that he went to Israel and kissed the ring. It just kind of made me upset that he did it. Anyways, there's crazy shit going on all over the world. You know, they're getting ready to put people in jail in Israel for fucking memes. All kinds of stuff's going on. All kinds of censorship, all kinds of loss of liberty and increase of tyranny. This will be shit we'll get into Friday if there isn't a debate between Odios and Tony. If that doesn't happen, then we'll get into rants. We'll fall back on that. But hopefully, Tony Smith and Odios Faniat will be here debating on Friday night. That would be ideal. I would like that. That would be fun. So, And we'll tag Tracy if that happens. You guys remember to do that. Remember to tag Tracy on Friday if Tony comes and Odios comes and everybody shows up and we have a debate. Sarah, it's not only crazy, it's criminal. She says it's crazy how many people are dropping dead and ending up with cancer. Turbo cancer. Super cancer. Hypercancer. It's criminal. And, you know, we can get into all that. We, we, we will. We can and will. We will in just a minute. I'm just trying to get us to conspiracy theories as chill as quickly as I can. The world is fucked up right now, though. It's crazy. I'm not having fun. A lot of the reason why we missed Monday is because I'm just not having a good time. It's just weighing on me. Lolly says that Elon needs to go to Gaza next. I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna. He's very pro-Israel now. He said some really fucked up shit about how the Allies in Germany need to do what they did after World War II. And, you know, basically it's okay to nuke Gaza as long as we're humanitarian afterwards or whatever passes as that in the mainstream narrative. Jones talking about how the United States voted to put kill switches in all new cars after 2026. That's true. That happened. A lot of stuff to get into in the world. A lot of fucked up shit's happening in the world. A lot of really messed up stuff. But I think it's important for us to begin with tonight's topic even though there's a lot of other things we could get into and are equally important it's nice to have fun and to think about interesting ideas and to expand our mind and, and all of that and that's what we do on wednesday night so if you guys are ready let's begin with conspiracy theories and chill
Welcome back to Conspiracy Theories and Chill, guys. It is Wednesday night on the Sean Yankee Show. And on Wednesday nights, we open our minds up. We talk about interesting ideas and we try to learn. You know, we're in the age of deceit. We're being lied to in a massive way. Literally everything is a fucking lie. Literally, literally fucking everything is a lie. So how much of approved and academically accepted history is actually even true? And how much is an outright lie? How much history is being hidden from us? And why? Why? Why is the truth about our ancestors and previous civilizations being kept from humanity? Why is it being hidden? What are they doing? That is what we're going to try to get into a little bit tonight. And I picked out a video from a creator that I really like. I really enjoy this person's content. And I put the link to their channel in the description for anybody that wants to check out more of it. But we're going to watch their latest video for the first time together. I have not seen this video yet. But it has to do with something that this channel actually covers a lot. And it has to do with missing history and a theory called the Five Eras Theory. This is a really interesting theory. That has to do with the truth about our past. And missing time and all of this hidden information. It's probably easier just to let the video speak for itself. It's hard to explain, but I've been way into it lately. I hope it interests you too. But we're going to react to this together for the first time. This video is called The Five Eras Theory. Um, hold on. Tartaria to the Old World. Let's just get into it. Welcome to the Restitutor Orbis channel. Our mainstream account tells us that in the earliest days of our civilization, we built pyramids during the Bronze Age. After the Bronze Age, we slowly advanced to the time of the Roman Republic that eventually became the Roman Empire, and the sort of structures that we built changed radically. We advanced to building smaller structures that were not quite as geometrically precise as the earlier pyramids, and yet they're very fine structures with great domes and magnificent colossal forms to them that endure to this day. And let's also take time to appreciate the wondrous Roman roads 
many of which that also continue to endure to this day. Everywhere we go around the land, we'll see the ruins of the previous civilization. And yes, that includes the United States and the Americas, even though it's called the New World. Although new as opposed to what is certainly a question of the day. Today we're going to examine the five eras theory. The channel originally started with the charter of examining numerous different theories. And you can go back and watch the video that's linked in the description of this video called the Grand Theories of Tartaria and the Old World, in which we explored the many different theories that could explain the existence of pre-existing civilizations that were not explained in the mainstream. Think about the aspect of a cemetery. You believe that a cemetery gives you validation that the history that you're told is accurate because every time someone you know passes away, they're buried in a cemetery with a date that's left on the tombstone. Therefore, older tombstones must be validation that what happened in the past in the past historical account is accurate. Although, would you be surprised to know that virtually every cemetery across the lands has been moved at some point in time for a variety of reasons. We have now advanced to building wondrous towers of glass and steel that cross the land. And yet, can we actually build these incredible pyramids that we did in the distant past during the Bronze Age? How does the mainstream account explain the construction of these pyramids? Indeed, we are derided for even questioning the account that we're given for how the pyramids were constructed. We are derided and told that it's merely a conspiracy theory. Yet at the same time, the mainstream tries to explain the pyramids with theories. In other words, they don't know for sure. But it's okay for them to come up with theories because their theories are validated by scientists, historians, archaeologists, and all the individuals with the appropriate credentials to do such things. So you look at the pyramids and you'll see that it's made up of many large stones that had to be moved. And they explain this by telling us that the quarries were nearby. They also have these wondrous images that we have that show human labor moving these great blocks. And then we have these beautiful animations that show us how they used a wonderful waterworks project to move these blocks and set them in place. And doesn't that illustration look great? Are those giant colossal people? And when you look at these illustrations and you have this wonderful account that tells you that water may have moved the blocks in place with human labor, it suddenly seems very believable and you'll just accept it without asking questions. Of course, this image looks ridiculous. We could never build the pyramids like this today. So if we can't do it with human labor and we base everything on this supposed representation from a governor of Egypt that existed 2000 years before the year zero or so we're told, and then it was some Greek individual who came up with a theory on how they moved the blocks using ramps, even though he was theorizing about an event that occurred 2000 years before he was alive. And then this Greek individual is also 2000 years before our current time. I don't see any issues with the mainstream account of the pyramids. Now, if you want a different theory, we're going to examine the five eras theory. The five eras theory examines the fact that there are civilizations that came before ours that we don't discuss that the mainstream does not acknowledge. And the reason for that being is that because if you actually acknowledge the existence of other civilizations where people lived in a different fashion, then it completely detracts from your ability to maintain your control over the population. The eras that we talk about the most and we'll examine on the channel are the contemporary era, our current era, the fifth era, and the fourth era, or also known as the Tartarian era or the Monument era. These are the most dramatic eras to talk about and we also have the most evidence. 
But we're also going to consider the foundation eras, the first through the third eras. And we call them the foundation eras because they, they were the original foundations that both the fourth era and the fifth era were built on top of. And we can still see their remnants. Indeed, we speculate that the pyramids are actually the remnants of the second era civilization, or the foundation era. And yet, there are other examples of incredible geometric structures that endure. Consider what we have in the fifth era with our great cities of glass and steel, and yet something about them seems very disposable and uninspired. What's the primary form of architecture? We have nothing but wonderful brutalist architecture. Brutalist architecture called as such because it is functional, and it's also cost-effective. What's truly intriguing to consider, though, about the prospect of brutalist architecture is how it's risen across the world, and its heyday was considered after World War II in both the United States and the Soviet Union. And despite the fact that these were two diametrically opposed ideologies and nations, for a variety of reasons, they somehow embraced the same type of architecture. Supposedly, at different times and for different reasons that happen to support their respective economic systems. Even in Pittsburgh, where we saw the beautiful Cathedral of Learning, we have this wonderful glass tower that we can look at and we can act like it really compares with the Cathedral of Learning. And then we have many other wondrous structures where great residences live in. It looks nice and rounded and cubed and very, very boring. Sometimes you have to remember, though, that there is inspired architecture in brutalist architecture. It looks like we have what appears to be some sort of broken-down TIE fighter here. And what does it represent? I don't know. Looking at the rest of the architecture, you need go no further than consider the dystopian film A Clockwork Orange. A Clockwork Orange, which talked about how a society repressed and controlled an individual, and it used this architecture quite effectively to show how individuals were controlled, and how ultimately the violence that was inflicted on others was all at the behest of the government. And if you pay attention to the subtext in the movie A Clockwork Orange, you'll see that the architecture plays no small part in representing that. And there's no doubt about it that brutalist architecture can certainly reflect a dystopian flavor to a society, if you will. Now, is this going a little too far? Is this being a little too harsh on brutalist architecture? It has its place, it's functional, and it's cheap. At least that's what we'll be told. Although, there are conflicting accounts given as to why it was embraced. For example, you'll be told that in the Western world, the United States, brutalist architecture was embraced because it was cheaper, and there was a demand for residences. And then in the Soviet Union, or the so-called communist bloc at the time, you'll be told that brutalist architecture was embraced because it was all for the good of the state, and it was for allowing individuals and workers to all have the same standard of living. And as much as we believe both of these diametrically opposed ideologies embracing the exact same architecture, as the main reason for why we have numerous examples of brutalist architecture, we see that it represents the fifth era. And in fact, many offshoots of what they used to call brutalist architecture still exist to this day. And you need look no further in the United States than a Holiday Inn Express or any of these newer modern hotels or residential areas. Where you can find that it's not really dystopian living, it's merely common sense. It makes perfect sense. It's cheaper and it's always good to have disposable buildings. It's also good to have buildings with the fine functional lines of brutalism in the background for when you're engaging on your individual walks for fun. But why is brutalist architecture considered something that's an advancement? For two reasons. One, 
We're told that it reflected the economic realities in the entire world from the 1950s to the 1970s. And two, we're just told that it's a lot more practical. We don't want to build architecture that has an artistic appeal to it. Practicality, cost savings, and being economically viable. That's what really matters. And when you have a lot of people that need housing, you're going to shove them in very block-like housing units that all look the same. And this will inspire people. And indeed, the actual housing units that were used to film A Clockwork Orange still have that same dystopian look to them in the present. Now, it's my opinion. Perhaps this is a utopian appearance to you. Perhaps you think that that beautiful Freedom Tower in New York City is an improvement over the structures that preceded it. We've looked at the skyline of New York City in the early 20th century. And tell me, is there a comparison? Do any of these many residential high-rises actually compare to the previous residences that we had all over the Western world and the Eastern world from the times past. We'll be told that this was merely a necessity, that this was done for the good of people, that this represented the will of the people, not just in the United States, but in the Soviet Union. Now let's look at the Art Deco question. Is Art Deco from the fifth era or the fourth era? Art Deco is very intriguing because it has conflicting accounts for what it really represents. It has conflicting accounts for what styles actually go into Art Deco. When we look at Art Deco, though, we see something very different than Brutalist or Postmodern. We see an architectural style that reflects artistic inspiration, something that reflects a civilization that genuinely cares about the structures that it's building, that the structures are supposed to have more of a function than just be utilitarian, as we're relentlessly told that Brutalist architecture serves. We see a style and a beauty in these Art Deco buildings that seem to speak to the human spirit. When you look at these buildings, you can't help but be impressed. And you feel that a lot more effort was put into their exterior and interior designs. You actually see the fact that there is the true human spirit that's reflected in these buildings. And oftentimes, people will try to convince you that these buildings were all easily built primarily in the United States during the 1920s, and you can even find a great example of one built in the Soviet Union in the 1940s to the early 1950s. Yet, looking at the Art Deco style, you can see that there is something about it that is always awe-inspiring. And it's very difficult to accept the explanation that all these buildings were built with these very wonderful and convincing construction photos that we have. And even though this was only about 100 years ago, it still falls in a very ambiguous time. Did our civilization build these buildings, or are we simply told that they built these buildings? How much of a deception do we have with the actual timeline? And can we really validate or verify anything? No. Now, it's very interesting to me because since I've done many of these explorations, and we've primarily looked at many cities in the United States, we've started to look at cities in Europe and in Asia, we always have the same explanation, and always have the same things that you see in the comments. And I'm going to let you in on something. There's actually a comment somebody could make that would convince me over 90% that any one of these Art Deco buildings were built by our civilization. But it's quite fascinating that not a single person has ever made that comment. And it's really quite simple. And I'm not going to tell you what that comment is. I'll let you know if somebody makes the comment. But you can find an example of it in one of the videos concerning an Iowa exploration because somebody made a comment that very convincingly showed that the 801 Grand Building in Des Moines was built by our civilization. And yet there's so many questions that come up with these Art Deco buildings. 
they continue to show the aspect of the civilization that preceded ours. I believe that by and large, most of these structures are from the fourth era or the Tartarian civilization that preceded our fifth era. And why do I think that? Because these buildings do reflect the style of what we would call the old world. They have that artistic spirit, that inspiration in every single one of them. And it's not just on the exteriors of the buildings. It's also in the interior where you see how they reflect the once grandeur of civilization. A civilization that cared about the individual, not constantly being in a state of function or a state of misery, but being able to inspire the spirit on the inside. No doubt when you're in an Art Deco building as opposed to when you're in a Brutalist architecture building, you can tell the difference. You can also compare and contrast how you feel when you stand outside an Art Deco building as opposed to a Brutalist building. And when you see some of the examples of Art Deco, the explanation you'll be given from architects is that they had more of an artistic flair in the 1920s to incorporate all these incredible styles that even include Egyptian, strangely enough, because we do recall the civil courts building in St. Louis that we looked at that was modeled after the mausoleum of Heliconarsis, which supposedly doesn't have anything to do with Egypt, but it does. And that's according to the mainstream account. There's always these beautiful reliefs that also accompany Art Deco. The wondrous figures that you see depicted on the outside of the buildings. And these buildings have many different functions. Some are office buildings, some are municipal buildings, some are memorials. Yet the style is reflected in the same. And while they try to tell us exactly what it's supposed to reflect, and of course they give us the hand wave explanation that the reason it reflects every civilization and culture across the world is because of course it incorporates every civilization and culture across the world. That's how you explain Art Deco. It's not because it's actually from a civilization that encompassed all the known lands. It's because somebody was trying to achieve cultural understanding in the 1920s, especially in the United States. The interiors of some of these buildings continue to inspire us. Now, why do I acknowledge the fact that some of these buildings may be questionable? Because we constantly run across the situation where we're told we are assured in the same manner with repeated statements that many of these buildings, and here we look at the main building of the Moscow University, a questionable building, we're told that this individual, Yosef Stalin, was responsible for its construction. And once Yosef Stalin had passed on, then the Soviet Union completely embraced brutalist architecture. Indeed, it's an individual that we always explain it. Remember during the Kansas City exploration where we saw some very stunning Art Deco buildings, including the Power and Light building in the aptly named Power and Light District within Kansas City. I would be interested to see someone actually be able to build a building like this today. I would like to see someone build this very impressive theater that still endures with this very unique dome, again in Kansas City. Interesting patterns that we see in the windows. And, of course, the type of construction material that was used to establish the walls and the dome itself. And let's not forget the Kansas City Hall. The Kansas City Hall also being a stellar example of Art Deco. And where do you see it? You see it in the art reliefs. And you also see it in the walls of the building going all the way to the top. So you can prove that there is a skyscraper that's a lot more than just a functional building. You can see there are aspects of it that truly reflect a different civilization, unless we're to believe it's our own civilization. No. Kansas City has its own version of Joseph Stalin, Tom Pendergast. Tom Pendergast, who was a mafia and political machine organizer in Kansas City and supposedly responsible for the presidency of Harry S. Truman, 
Of course, it didn't save this particular individual from serving time in prison for tax evasion. So really, was Joseph Stalin and Tom Pendergast responsible for the Art Deco buildings, or were they just the people that we say are responsible? We have many photos of the construction of the Art Deco buildings, and supposedly we have many accounts. Although, oddly enough, no one seems to provide a first-person account. And now let's consider the fourth era proper. This is the era that we call the Tartarian era. This is the civilization that preceded ours. There was a hard reset that occurred in a time frame from 1750 to 1850, although it's hard to say for sure. We have wondrous examples of what the Tartarian civilization may have looked like. Very incredible. See, but he's not talking about the flood, right? He's saying there was a reset, a reset in the 1800s, right? Incredible architecture stretching to the sky, various forms of producing power. We've explored it in great detail about how this pre-existing civilization managed to achieve a balance between both nature and the artificial implements of its civilization. It also managed to achieve the very elusive balance for a time between the individual and society. And that's something that our current civilization tends to go away from in every direction that you can imagine especially given the fact that it oftentimes defaults to extreme polarizations and someone always having to be right and someone always having to be wrong. And you always have to embrace a belief now, and it's completely wrong to remain undecided about something. We'll still see examples of this Tartarian civilization, even in some older images that we have, such as this image that may or may not have problems with it, of an airship docking with the Empire State Building. We also have other examples of airships docking with various towers. So is this really a brief technological fad, according to our mainstream account? Or was this a real technological advancement that carried over from the fourth era civilization that had to be removed? We've looked at many examples of buildings that still stand to this day that we suspect are from this pre-existing civilization. Consider the Art Deco buildings that we looked at that are very likely from the fourth era civilization. We've also explored many libraries and municipal buildings in many cities, such as Terminal Tower in Cleveland. And many people will insist that they have numerous accounts or because they worked a job in the building that they can prove that it was constructed by our civilization, even though all we have are some very difficult to interpret images. And once again, we have, strangely enough, no first-hand accounts. Well, I understand the 1930s was a long time ago. And again, we have other images of this terminal tower. And many people will say that they just know, or they know someone who knows someone who knows someone, and that's what they'll say. And if that's good enough for you with historical account, then by all means, accept it. But yet you have many other structures that also seem to defy simple explanation by their incredible architectural style, and all supposedly built during the same time, such as the Masonic Temple in Detroit that we explored. Another wonder of the 1920s when it seemed as though they built 75% of the buildings in every major city in the Midwest of the United States. We do have a construction photo of it, and once again we see that there are no issues with this construction photo. It is very convincing, and of course that's usually what you'll have when you explore these structures. Remember the wondrous interior that we looked at. And again, I believe this interior gives us true evidence of a pre-existing civilization that has been repurposed and used by the organizations in our current civilization. And here you look at this theater in the same structure. And again, a very impressive and beautiful theater. Certainly there is nothing that we've built since the 1960s that remotely compares to this. 
This impressive structure in Cincinnati that will be told is an arch or waterworks, it is most certainly not a castle, because somebody says so. And in Cincinnati, where we have this impressive church from the 1840s next to the city hall. And of course, the explanation will be given is that we had those crafty Germans, those crafty Germans that could build in Greco-Roman style and lay out a wonderful church like this in the 1840s with very impressive columns and the roof that we've seen. And there's absolutely no question about this. You just accept it. Or you can ask questions, such as looking at the Fox Theater in Atlanta, and realize that perhaps all the explanations that were given for who was truly responsible wow. for these structures is not as simple or as cut and dry as it seems. Indeed, looking at the Fulton County Prison in Atlanta, or near what would become Atlanta, we can see evidence of a different civilization. Don't even bother asking why you'd need a tower on a prison like that, because it makes perfect sense. And now we look at the Foundation Eras, the third to the first era. Now, the Foundation Eras may not seem as dramatic as either the Tartarian Era or the Contemporary Era, because we don't have as much direct evidence. But we still have a lot of direct evidence that indicates that there was an era that preceded the civilization that came before us. And this is in the many examples that we have of what we call star forts, or as this channel refers to them now, geometrically precise foundation structures. And the reason we call them geometrically precise foundation structures on this channel is because they are very geometrically precise. We can tell that these are artificial constructs. And in every major city, there is some sort of documentation that indicates that there is a geometrically precise foundation structure that surrounds the city. And quite impressively so, we can find it in cities across the land. In cities in the United States, in Germany, in Russia, the former Soviet Union, across many other lands. And the explanation will be given for these geometrically precise foundation structures that surround the entire city is because it was good practice. They were defensible. It's how you would defend against cannonballs. And yet, conversely, you can find some structures that had signs of these geometrically precise foundation structures, or the smaller star forts, as you will, during the United States Civil War, which, strangely enough, were overrun or overtaken by a direct tactical military assault. So it's very strange. Once again, it's the example of a conflicting account. Now, you might be thinking, okay, that's fine. You have these maps, and yes, perhaps they were just drawn. And yet we do have actual imagery that shows that these geometrically precise foundation structures at that scale are quite real. There are many examples of them across the entire land. And you can find them around cities, around old fortresses, or at least what we're told are old fortresses or castles, as there are so many castles, since everybody seemed to be able to afford to build one during what were called medieval times and yet you can see the geometrical precision and you can see the amalgamation of artificial with the natural and perhaps this is also the explanation for the large and long numerous so-called sandbars that we have that run for miles and in some cases 40 to 50 miles and you can also see the precision within the remaining structures there are so many examples of these geometrically precise foundation structures that we can't simply explain surrounding small towns, surrounding cities, the remnants of what used to be walls. Yet, it's integrated with the terrain. And we can also tell that there are buildings that were built on top of these structures in the past. And that's where we get the title, The Foundation Era, from. It was the third era that the foundation that our previous civilization, the Tartarian Era, and then our current era, built on top of, or in lieu of, 
And when you can see this across the land and you can see so many examples, it completely contradicts the mainstream account that we're given. Also the fact that it's overgrown and it's integrated with nature. Now, of course, people say, well, there's a reason for it. It was just built before and it was done with the ability to build walls because there were so many skilled construction individuals during the Middle Ages all the way up to the 1700s. And building these forts, regardless of logistical challenges, were never an issue. In fact, logistics is one of the greatest aspects that's hand-waved away. Now, they explain it with the Egyptian pyramids by saying that the quarry was right there. Well, it doesn't matter if the quarry was right next to the pyramids, which they try to tell us or imply that it was. You still have to cut all those blocks. You still have to move all those blocks, and you still have to form the pyramids, much as you have to form the land and the artificial structures of this geometrically precise foundation structure that goes around what appears to be the settlement and the structure. So is it really that simple to explain, or is it just a matter of accepting what you're told because it's the path of least resistance? And oftentimes that's what we find ourselves doing. And if you assess that's what you need to do to achieve happiness in your life is simply to capitulate to the will of others, then so be it. The second era gives us the example of where we have the pyramids from, and it no doubt reached heights that we can only begin to dream of. Now we suspect that there are few remnants of the second era. We're told by the very same mainstream account that tells us of how the pyramids were constructed that they once had even more beauty to them, that they once appeared to have a great outer structure. But also imagine if they had this ability to build pyramids, what could they have achieved and how many ubiquitous structures could they have built using the geometric precision of pyramids? You also have to think in a much larger scale too. Because while people will try to say that we never achieved a great building scale, yet we're still able to conceive a larger building scale. In other words, imagine pyramids that would start to match the size of hills or even small mountains, and then integrate a technological component with them. Integrate the aspect of power resources. And when you look inside the existing pyramids that remain, you see a very complicated architecture that went into establishing them. And of course, we're told, well, it's because it was a tomb and the pharaoh liked their pyramids and they wanted to have a very elaborate tomb. And the thought of rebellion because they were facing death never crossed anyone's minds. Well, except for a few select individuals. But what if it was very different? What if this was a civilization that existed in even more balance between the individual and the society and it achieved even more balance between nature and the artificial? And what if what we refer to as the Mayan civilization was actually just a component of the second era civilization? What if all the descendants that came from it and its long timeline actually came from the second era? Think on this. Instead of this being a less advanced civilization, this was a far more advanced civilization. Again, it flies right in the face of what we're given from the mainstream account that provides us depictions such as this. And depictions such as this, even though no one will ever do a practical experiment to prove how possible this is, that will convince us that this was how the pyramids were built. But what if they had construction techniques that we have absolutely no knowledge of? The ability to produce construction materials that far exceed anything we can begin to imagine. And we're not even talking about the original Rossendale cement, or the Rossendale concrete as we called it, or the Roman concrete. We're talking about something even more advanced than that. 
And here we have the depiction that shows us what the original pyramids supposedly looked like. And there's no doubt that they had this level of grandeur. Perhaps they had even more grandeur. Maybe they were coated in something that looked like gold. We'll still certainly consider all the other theories that we have, even though the five eras theory seems to be quite solid, at least from our observations. The important thing is that we retain open minds. While we're visualizing what the previous eras, especially the foundation eras, may have appeared like, what we're going off of for our evidence is some of the foundation rocks that we have. Many of the other impressive structures that no doubt existed in these previous civilizations. What we see remain are not the full structures in their glory. We see the smaller structures that have somehow survived the passage of time and at least two, perhaps three resets. And something else I'll concede with this five eras theory. For all we know, there could have been many more eras. There could have been 10, there could have been 20, there could have been 30 or even 100. And another question might be, well, how exactly does other timelines fit into this five eras theory? Well, when you consider the fact that San Francisco is considered to be one of the most exquisite cities of our current civilization, and yet nothing about it even compares with what we had in the past. Finally, let's consider the first era. The first era seems to be the era that we have the greatest difficulty imagining. And the reason for that is because the first era, no doubt, reflected the greatest balance. It's safe to say that a lot of what we have in our current civilization encourages us not to ever believe that there were buildings that were the size of mountains. Even though we're told that in the future we'll envision buildings that are the size of mountains and architects supposedly already have. Or did they derive this inspiration from something that existed in the past and was described in the past? Described in many different old accounts of structures that were so large that they actually exceeded the size of mountains. We even have the account of the Beacon of Progress, supposedly just a drawing, a sketch, a concept for an incredible monument that was going to be reflected in the Chicago World's Fair, along with many other wondrous structures. We also have the religious accounts of the great religions of the land that tell us of great cities and celestial kingdoms in the past. Are they really referring to the actual celestial kingdom, or are they referring to cities that may have existed? Cities in the distant past that really were of a grander and greater glory than we can ever imagine, because we had a civilization of individuals that had achieved balance, between both their individual desires and the needs and wants of a society. You might look at rock faces such as this and you would think, no, it's merely a natural formation, or perhaps it reflects some sort of old, large tree, and perhaps it does. However, there's another approach that you could say it reflects a once great and amazing structure that's been through four or five hard resets, or maybe more. The difficult thing about envisioning the first era is the fact that we've had many resets and it's been a long time. Now, how long is that exactly? The main question might be, how many years do I envision in these five eras total? Well, we just don't know, and I know that's not the answer that anybody would want, but that's the honest answer because we talked about in the date paradox how we don't know how many years have passed. We don't know how many years are in each of these eras. A thousand years, five thousand years, five million years, 
Could the entire five eras only be 6,000 years? Or could it be many more, 600,000 years? Is it a millennial reign of only 1,000 years? Or is it a millennial reign of 1,000 centuries? Or even a far greater amount of time? We just don't know. And the difficult thing with considering time is how quickly things can become obscured, where we're reliant on other people, governments, institutions that were told relentlessly by other historical authorities that were corrupt, that were, excuse the pun, evil. Evil in every way, shape, and form, and yet we're supposed to believe that they preserved an accurate account of history to hand down to us? Because even if you prescribed to the mindset that all of our current governments and civilizations are completely incorruptible and everything they do is for the good and represents the will of the people, regardless of national divisions that were constantly given. How exactly can you accept the fact that previous civilizations and governments that existed handed us an honest account? I suppose what I'm saying is the five eras theory is the best way that we can visualize what may have come before. And I'm always open to revising it and reconsidering it. And as we continue our explorations, we're going to primarily consider the five eras theory because it does seem to explain a lot of the inconsistencies that we have. Now, if you want to reference one particular publication, one particular guide, or what one certain researcher says, that's completely up to you. And I completely request that everybody in the comments tell me what your honest thoughts are. What do you believe? Where do you think the five eras fits into the actual history? Is it honest? Is it accurate? Or do we have other difficulties? Do we have other complexities that we need to consider within what the actual timeline is? The last thing I'm ever going to do, though, is simply give up and stop asking questions and stop exploring. Because we've already learned so much, and we've already learned to see the world in a very different way. And of course, there's going to be people, there'll even be institutions that'll tell us that we shouldn't see the world in this way. What did the collapse of the first era really look like? We can imagine it. We can believe it was brought about by some hard natural force, or maybe it was brought about by a natural force and the internal corruption of the people on a long enough timeline. It is indeed a recurring theme in virtually every cultural and religious account that we have in our modern era. Consider what was really lost in the past. And I think that's the greatest theme of this research going forward. And this is why this is a very exciting exploration that we continue. As we go forward, all these theories are just as valid as any other theory, and I don't really have any evidence that discounts any particular theory, although I will admit it's very difficult to prove the theory that everything is just exactly as we're told it is, and history is exactly correct in every minute detail, even though we relentlessly discuss the problems with that. Well, thank you for joining me. I hope you enjoyed this exploration of five errors. Please like, comment, and subscribe. Now, for myself, I don't think that he's 100% right, but I really do like his research. It's a cool channel, and again, the link is in the description if you want to go check out more of his content. But it is incomplete research, you know? This is ongoing. We're trying to piece it together. It's been hidden from us. What we know for a fact, though, is that it's a lie, and that We've been told a lie and we just have to piece together the truth. And that's what his research is in interest of doing. And I've been fascinated by a lot of his content.
So I think the, I guess it, to me, the, the pre-flood world would be what, era one or era two? Which one was it? Either, it doesn't matter. They were very technologically advanced. I think the one thing that he kept saying as a recurring theme that I definitely agree with is that we have a failure of imagination when it comes to previous civilizations. I think they were far more advanced than we give them credit for. And a lot of these structures that we have, these buildings that make no sense, like Joan was talking about earlier, they did not build these buildings with horse and buggy. You know, it makes no sense. And they're so detailed and intricate. And, you know, it was like he was going into, we don't build anything like that today. Some of that stuff at the end was interesting, too, like the Ultima Tower. You know, another thing I really like to get into and would like to get into more in the future here, if there's any interest, is Meltology. Have you ever looked into that? How uh, maybe a lot of these structures, megalithic structures like he was talking about in the end there with the Ultima Tower, actually melted. And uh, that's what some of these mountains actually are. It's interesting. But, you know, that's what you can expect on Wednesday nights. Is a look at interesting ideas and concepts. And I just find the missing history endlessly fascinating. There's so many possibilities there. But the big question to me, outside of, you know, all the really cool things that, that could be being kept from us is why? Why do you think? Why do you think they're keeping this from us? But thanks for hanging out and checking out that video with me. Like I, like I said, if you want to check out more of his content, the link's in the description. And I will see you guys back here Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern for a debate with Tony Smith and Odias Faniat. And I hope he will tell me how to properly say his name. Until then, have a great rest of your evening and God bless.